Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus, otherwise known as Word Vomit. I am your host, author Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, and the Gothic, the Victorian Gothic horror series, The Hotel. With me today, as always, are my Vox Vomitus vixens, Trisha Ridinger-McKee, author of the Beyond series, and Alison Martin, author of the Bourbon books. There's her bourbon. We are joined today by one of my all-time favorite authors. I wouldn't be a gothic horror novelist if it wasn't for you, Andrew. Uh, Andrew Niederman, author of The Devil's Advocate, also the ghost writer for VC Andrews since, has it been since 1987? That's right. 1987. Welcome, Andrew. Can you tell our viewers and our listeners a little bit about you? Well, I'm uh, originally from New York. I was a school teacher for 23 and a half years, during which time I published about 18 novels under my name. And I, as a school teacher, I was a chairman of the English department, director of dramatics. I was even summer school principal for two years. So I have a big background in uh, relationships, teenagers, yeah. which came in handy when I uh, assumed the V.C. Andrews franchise. Um, I was uh, out in California when that happened because I was getting a movie made on my first, uh, one of my first novels, Pin, B-I-N, which was made into a feature film uh, with Terry O'Quinn, who was a pretty good TV star. And uh, that started my career out of Hollywood. And uh, I started writing VC at the same time. And often I would write two of the night, and I call it Nightman. Night of Thrillers and uh, um, two two pieces of Andrews books. So uh, between the two of them, I have about 126 published novels. You are <laughs> incredible. Uh, you are our most prolific writer we've had on the show. I was trying to figure out, I was looking um, at my copy of The Umbrella Lady, which is your new, newest V.C. Uh, Andrews release. And I was just looking at all of the titles, all of the VC Andrews titles. Yeah. And it is awe-inspiring to think that you had all of those words and many more in your brain. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't know whether it's a blessing or a curse, but um, you, I, I don't lack for ideas. And um, I've always had a story waiting to be told. So... Um, V.C. Andrews just seemed to be proper place for all that. When I took it over, there were seven V.C. Andrews novels. There's about 86 now. Yeah. So, I mean, you are you are the V.C. Andrews that we all know and love. It's a, is that weird for you still, or are you used to it? No. Like when we fangirl and just say, I love you. <laughs> no, no. I'm not, it's not even more. I mean, I was very closely attached to it. Um, I became, the V.C. Andrews family became my second family, and I was theirs. Our, my wife and I and our kids were theirs. They were, we would reach right each other's family events. We've been together for 34 years. Um, That's like a better Hollywood marriage than any other story I've heard, honestly, ever. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah to get along and, and to do these things together was, was wonderful. Uh, I guess I can announce it. I have written the biography of B.C. Andrews, 
um, in the editing process, and it will be published this, I think, the first week or second week of February of next year. Oh my God! Um, and that Amazing. was an incredible experience. Um, there were so many misunderstandings about Virginia Andrews, so much misinformation. Some of it was deliberate. Delivered uh, by who? By her? Um, she had her reasons, and uh, it's an incredible life story and a wonderful uh, when Flowers in the Attic is published from then on. Incredible experiences. So I have um, so much of, of hers to use. She wrote some wonderful personal letters, very long, very detailed. Um, as I said, I'm very friendly with the family, so I have a lot of personal remembrances. And there were not that many interviews of DC Andrews, really, but in depth. But I have the ones that were in depth. And then I have her own writing about her writing. So oh, all of this took months and months, obviously, to put together. But um, we're at the process now of editing the manuscript. So we're a ways away from uh, like things like cover and that, but there's a big interest in it being made into a movie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, I, so I would, who plays V.C. Andrews? That was my question. I, I, I think there'll be a lot of actresses trying for that part. <laughs> who Absolutely. would you want? Yeah, who would you want? Well, you have to, I think most of her life really starts at 55 because, um, that's when Flowers in the Attic was published. And she really didn't have any significant publications before that. And I didn't realize like, she was that old when she started. That's, yeah. that's she, she was an artist, wasn't she? She she dabbled in art? Yeah, she did a lot of good, uh, wonderful art. It was, uh, she even did fashion design, some departments were oh. used. But that was, um, yeah, that was because she was, uh, Basically, homebound, and it's, that was the thing she could do. But she did some beautiful work, and that there'll be a replicas of that in the book. Wonderful pictures that nobody had ever seen. Oh, uh, so exciting! And so there will be a partial of an unpublished manuscript, the only one really. So that'll be included in the book. Oh, It'll be quite a quite a wonderful gift, I think. And oh, yes. Um, even though it's out in February, I think a lot of people will buy it for friends for Christmas, you know, just saying this is coming to you. Yes. 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 So, uh, wow. Everyone watching this, this yeah. is what I want for Christmas next year. <laughs> it's on my list well, already. I'll a lot more information about it in the next <laughs> three or four months. Oh. And, um, Does it have a working title? The Woman Beyond the Attic. Oh. That gives me chills. I was just going to say that, yes. It's the perfect VC. Fascinating stuff, really, is. I was fascinated to keep, you know, working. So, and I had a good assistant. My daughter did a lot of research with me. She's a former school teacher, so she's very good at that. And I'm very excited about it. Did you think, you know, 34 years ago, when you signed on to be the V.C. Andrews ghostwriter, that this would become 
such a major part of your life that you would write 86 books? <laughs> well, there was never um, any kind of guarantee of that. Um, the first book I wrote was Garden of Shadows, which is the prequel of Flowers on the Air. Yeah. And it was successful, very successful. And um, I finished the Heaven series, which is all really successful, and the Dawn series. So when it started to take off like that, uh, there was more optimism about it continuing. And then it began to sell even more worldwide. I've been, I've been all over the world, basically, uh, representing BC Andrews, meeting with agents, speaking to groups. So it's been an incredible experience. Well, we um, are honored that you're on our show. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, my publicist, Jennifer Robinson, told me I've got to be on it. So that's it. <laughs> See, us, us Jennifers really stick together. <laughs> yeah. She's very good. Yeah. Trisha, so hopefully, you uh, people, you know, fans will enjoy it. And I'm open to any questions I can answer about any of that. Perfect. Uh, there's a lot, a lot there. Yeah. Trisha, I know you are a huge, huge, huge oh. fan. We have geeked yes. out. We've all yes. geeked out over the, <laughs> the, the, the impact of VC Andrews on our life. Uh, do you have any questions for Andrew? Absolutely. Um, it shows in the Castile series. That's when you kind of jumped in. Um, I think one or two books are attributed to both you and VC Andrews. And I was wondering, I, I've read that you worked with her on it and then i've read other reports where you simply took over and i was wondering um which was the case and also how was it to find her tone um because you have a very distinct writing tone in the books um under your name and then the vc andrews is just you you absolutely follow her style and it's so amazing so i was wondering how you were able to achieve that well first uh Virginia died before uh, I took over the franchise. Uh, I was actually out in California getting started on a movie of one of my books, Pim. And my agent called me back and said, you have to come back because I already, I already kind of already kind of auditioned for it. I was a teacher of creative writing, and so I was uh, very familiar with style, what goes into it, and and then. Uh, I kind of smoothly moved into it, but uh, I there were only two and a half books written when I started that series. So I finished it and basically drew the plot out of what she had already done. I had a lot of her material um, given to me by family to get into it, to you know, get into depth about it. I had not even read Flowers in the Attic. My wife had read it. I was reading about it. And I was going crazy because I was publishing uh, my books, and she was raving about this author. <laughs> so you're you're doing great, Andrew. But this this VC Andrews, she's <laughs> right. She's something else. She's yeah. amazing. You're good That's too. So I had to do that, and uh, and then I approached it like a graduate research paper, basically. I studied the language, syntax, characters, settings, everything in detail and uh, and that was necessary very like fun yeah. a long time nobody nobody knew um and 
basically uh, the the excitement came when people discovered it and still stuck with it, and that was a great um, to me a compliment. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask because I know that when we first found out we were going to get to have you on the show, the first question was, "Pretty sure VC Andrews died." People hadn't realized, okay, but someone else has been writing this whole time. And I'm not sure most people knew when that transition, when that baton handoff occurred. Um, I think it happened earlier than most of us knew, especially if you weren't talking about it. So was the decision to make the announcement, here's who's writing it now in her in her legacy, was that a deliberate thing or did it just come out and you had to roll with it? Um, it came out because of a, a very unique IRS tax case. <laughs> Oh, go on. Oh, no. A tax case? Yeah, when the when BC Andrews books were publishing, still publishing, the IRS decided in some um, wisdom to place a value on the BC Andrews name and then tax it. Tax so the name? The, yeah. Okay. So the, uh, that's, that happens a lot now. So the the Andrews family had to pay the tax, but they sued the IRS. On what grounds? That the amount was way too high, and uh, I was obviously like the chief witness in the case. <laughs> so I guess I could tell you this because it's pretty much known in the legal world. In fact, I didn't know that the case set precedent. And uh, what happened was the IRS attorney made a mistake that lawyers are never supposed to make. And that's ask a question that you don't know the answer of. That is the number one. I am, a, I am an attorney. That is the number one question. They say never ask a witness where you don't already know what's supposed to come out of their mouth. Now, they can lie, but you should at least know what they're supposed to say. So what question did he ask? He asked me to put in order of importance. My name, V.C. Andrews, in the books. So I said to him, who wrote Gone with the Wind? He didn't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Many people don't know me. It wasn't me. But I said, but you know who Scarlett O'Hara is? He said, of course. So I said, well, you answered the question. Um, the story is number one. Who wrote it is secondary. <laughs> which, uh, there wouldn't be a story without me. So it's that's one, too. Yeah. And uh, I remember the defense attorney for the Andrews going, yeah. The Washington awesome. Post picked up the story and that's how it got out. Then I was chased mm -hmm. by the magazine forever. May I just say I'm very sad they didn't teach me this in tax law because I didn't like tax law and that would have been a really cool story. Yes, yeah, it would have uh, been. <laughs> basically what happened was my son was running a brewery at the time. We had a brew pub. And I came in one night and he said, there's two people who want to meet you here. They're both lawyers. I said, oh, no, that's never good. But you're very famous. I said, what do you mean? They said, your case is a precedent we use for all uh, state cases and even divorces. So I didn't know at the time, but it was a big case. And then, uh, you know, everything followed. Was this before or after The Devil's Advocate? Uh, <laughs> Were you inspired by? 
Oh, I've always had a thing with lawyers. Um, let me think. Uh, no, I guess, yo, it'd be after the other advocate, so I wrote it actually in New York. So, um, yeah, the devil's advocate in the whole <laughs> I have many funny stories of lawyers and the devil's advocate. <laughs> but um, one of the most amazing stories, I was on, uh, my wife and I were on our way to East France. And I, on the plane, I started talking to the man across the aisle. And you know how you get to the point where what do you do, what do you do? So yes, what I did, my Tom was a writer. So what did you write it? I think I know. I said, well, probably you're probably know the devil's advocate. And he went, oh my God, you changed my life. And he gave me the chills. So what do you mean? He said, I was an attorney and I represented a man who was accused of killing a child. And I got him off. Then I saw the devil's advocate. And then the guy killed another child. So I quit law and bought a hotel <laughs> in his. France. And uh, that, that story never left me. And uh, it still gives me chills today. Yeah, I was going to say, you just gave me chills. Yes. Yeah, it was chill. I, I would like to know if you stayed in that hotel later and was it a nice hotel? I ate there. It was a beautiful <laughs> restaurant in a place called Es France. Anybody ever gets again I hope soon? Yeah, like if we can ever leave our houses again. <laughs> Not allowed to leave California. Sorry. Yeah, well, you will someday. It's a magical village above Nice. All Pebbletone streets, no cars. Oh. It's just a wonderful experience. You feel like you just stepped into a storybook. So I would recommend that EZE. -E. -E. Anybody -E. listening, whoever gets to travel, put that on your <laughs> on your uh, menu. It's got, it's going there. My travel menu. Yep. Do so, um, Andrew. I remember being, and I think I was in sixth or seventh grade when every, I feel like every girl in my school was reading the Flowers in the Attic series. And, and it was almost like contraband. We thought we were being so grown up by reading it. And we were, it was a little above our heads. Um, what does it feel like to be kind of part of this whole movement that really shaped and defined a generation? Well, that, that is a part of the excitement. And just to give you another anecdote, when I first started, I, I was in California. I stopped into a bookstore in Venice Beach. And I asked the owner, the two women owned it. And I said to them, do you have any B.C. Andrews novels? And they said, we don't carry B.C. Andrews. And I said, why not? They said, because she exploits women. Meanwhile, on the rack, they had Playboy and, and the Hustler and all that. And I looked at this. This is really something. So I never forgot it. Um, I think Flowers of the Attic had a huge effect on teenagers growing up. Met and men, too. By the way, the first fan letter that these interest ever got was from a man, not from a teenage girl. Will that be in the book? Yes. I love it. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I really do, if, if it wasn't for V.C. Andrews, if it wasn't for you, I honestly can say I wouldn't be a gothic horror writer. I wouldn't. It, I don't think it was even on my radar. But Flowers in the Attic broke my brain yeah. <laughs> in a good way. I would like to remind you that you are also taunted by a nun porcelain doll. 
So I'm, that I'm a that character kind of from a V.C. Andrews book. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why you picked up the V.C. Andrews book. Oh, this is for me. Yeah, well, the covers were pretty, pretty good too in those days. The covers were great. This distinctive and iconic, and even yes. now I know that I can picture seeing them at the end cap of every grocery store. I don't remember seeing books at the at a grocery store like that, but that's where all of the VC Andrews with the little face through the the face, the oh, big haunted oh, eyes. I a step back in publishing, and it's very very expensive, so it's not done anymore. But um, they go through a whole to another cover, and um, they were very famous those covers. I in have fact, a, another publisher tried to do it, and they were sued. Oh, oh really? Could they? They, oh. they copy wrote the concept of the peep through. Yeah, yeah. They, oh. they, they, nice. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so much involved. In it. You got to realize, VC Andrews is probably the longest running living franchise. Yes. In American publishing, it's forty years old. Yeah, I can't think of anything longer that's still going on. I mean, Terry Pratchett's been pretty long, but there was no continuation after that. Like Nancy Drew's stories. Yeah. But VC Andrews is unique in that regard. I have um, your your publishers, your publicist sent me uh, a Flowers in the Attic COVID mask. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, when I wear that, the few times I go out of the house, I pride myself on having fashion masks, but that mask is the one that everybody comments on. Nope. They love it. Every like people will stop me and go, "I loved that book." <laughs> you know, <laughs> just that book changed my life, and I'm like, "I'm going to have Andrew on my show." <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, crazy lady." <laughs> I I don't think there's too many novels that are the phenomenal flowers of that. It is even being published now in mainland China. Oh, wow. I feel like there could be a whole law course just on the impact that this series and V.C. Andrew's life, just teaching between copyright and the state stuff, and now even breaking into a place that had such restriction and censorship and what that means, including the censorship of the women in the uh, Venice bookstore. But that's that's on them. So I'd be... I think the Chinese, uh, uh, mainly China one, is a bridge. I think they did cut some of it out. But um, they're, they're going to get it. It's going to be a pamphlet. <laughs> the what? So by the time they get it, it'll just be like a little pamphlet. It's three pages long. Three pages long. One of them's the title page. It was published before that in Hong Kong, Shanghai, Thailand. I mean, all over Asia. Big in South Korea. It's just that mainland China jumped the board finally. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Do you get copies of all of the, the yeah. international prints? Yeah. I'm around Australia. <laughs> it's just endless swirl of foreign copies. I'm looking for people who read Polish. This oh. phone has just bought, like, I don't know, 10 series. Oh, so wow. I have all these Polish books. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do with all these Polish books? I don't know. We're gonna be moving in about six months, and I'm gonna have to in a smaller location because we're ready to downsize. And I have about two thousand books that I'm gonna have to donate to libraries. I, I was just like, you can donate them to me. <laughs> you are not a library, Jen. 
I know. Sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say, you're not that far from my local library. If I were to drive out there and come back to your local library. What is your local library? Uh, Orange, it's the Orange Public Library. We're not part of the Orange County system. We're kind of out of it, but it's a. What, what town is in it? So it's Orange. So it's, if oh, you know right. the Orange Circle there. So is that near South Coast Plaza? South Coast Plaza is a little further south on the 55. So the South Coast Plaza is in Costa Mesa. It's about 15 minutes south of here. Okay. My son lives in Santa Ana. And, uh, That's right by me. Yeah. I yeah. border on Santa Ana. So. Maybe I'll give them books to bring to your library. Yes. Oh, Road trip to Allison's house. I know. Oh, yes. I would visit you and visit the books. <laughs> Me and the yeah. books. Right. So we'll do that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I, I love the idea of the Polish books, and those are probably the ones you're going to donate. But it's maybe they're like a cultural center. Like oh, a no, no, cultural I'll, be center. I'll be donating all the English books. Okay. Nothing ever published in the UK, Ireland, Scotland. We're publishing 45 United Kingdom entities. That's free wow. English. So. Wow. If there's any really? Russian, I would like that. <laughs> so Roman can read them? I would force Roman. Roman is my husband. He's Russian. So I would force him to read Flowers in the Attic in Russian. If, uh, to you. That was out loud I have... To uh, I have um, the Devil's Advocate was published in Russia. Oh. Yeah. I wrote that Sorry. <laughs> Trisha, I think you had another question for Andrew. I saw you I, get excited. Um, well, I'd read that VC Andrews had written um, Flowers in the Attic in two weeks. Um, oh. It was it was sent back to her saying, we need something a little more in this book. And she made the revisions in one night. And they said, perfect. Um, but... You have so many books under your own name and under the VC Andrews franchise. Um, how do you? How are you so prolific with everything? Do you write fast? Is it just you sit down and you spend hours writing each day? How does that? How does that happen? Well, I work virtually every day. Um, when I was first starting this, I wrote on two computers: one for my novels, my Terry novels. And I would turn the chair and start writing VC Andrews. Just oh wow, I just love that back and forth That's during the, the day. Church, you know. So oh. I would, you know, everything is exaggerated. Um, I don't, I, I don't think VC Andrews flowers me that was not written that day. Let's leave it at that. I mean, it took okay. Like every writer works quite a long time on the book. Yeah. She she was a mere mortal after all. Yes, yes. she was. I will say there are schools of thought now, especially towards indie writers, that say just be cranking out these books really, really fast. But I feel like a book cranked out that fast probably wouldn't become this iconic piece that so many people have just glommed onto and hold onto for dear life. If it was yeah. just like, and then I just wrote it and it was gone. I feel like there's probably a lot more to it than that, at least in her there heart. Is. There's a yeah, a lot more too. Are you, you know, writing is rewriting. Yes. And anybody that doesn't know that, <laughs> you just, I think I write my novels. I mean, I go back over everything every day, so I'll probably write the novel five or six times. Yeah. Yep. That's well, why our show is called Vox Vomit. Yes. Well, and everybody's 
everybody's got more than one way of doing things. Like some people have a really rigid structure of like they finish a draft and then go back to it. Okay. Yeah. But we had a question up that, that asked, how do you have more than one story in your head at a time? Well, uh, the way that that happens is you have di distinct different characters and the story comes from the characters. Yeah. So um, if I have a, a major character writing a BCN, I'm talking about that when I'm tutored. Um, my novels under my name are usually what I call premise novels. Um, so I saw the Devil's Advocate, for example, with one line to one of them. And that line was, it's about a law firm in New York that represents only guilty people and never loses. Nice. Like, wow. How is that? What is that? And then that led to Yeah. You know, it, That's a great pitch. If you're, if you can reduce your novel to a pitch line, which is a skill in itself, you can hold that line in the back of your head while you're working something else. That's the way it works. How do you know when you found that line? Because I think I may have found it in what I'm doing right now, and I'm going, ooh, but maybe it's just my own, ooh, and I'm just happy that something's up here, <laughs> anything at all. How do you know when that, ooh, that's the line? Well, take that pitch line and analyze it a little bit, you know, and you know what it's about, you know, where it's located, and you've got the hook question. And if you can do all those three things, it's very similar to a pitch for movies. You have literally about five minutes of a producer's attention span. That's just the way they are. So in that five minutes, you got to give them that kind of pitch so they can envision an actor, a setting, and a course. And you basically do the same thing. Yeah. Do you usually know who that actor is? So you can say, picture Keanu Reeves. Trisha's always uh, picturing Keanu Reeves. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I cast him. I had lunch with the director and he said, Who did you see? And I said, Keanu Reeves. Trisha's going to die. Are you serious? I said, Yeah, because he hadn't really met you from Syria. And I didn't think it went over, but he called me the next two days later and said, I had lunch with Keanu and you're right. And that was oh my it. gosh. Oh, and that was it. That was it? That was yep. it. And you said you said he hadn't been in anything serious before that. Before that, was he very much so, whoa, dude? Was yeah. that who he was? Okay, so people would yeah, probably be sold on the idea of he's it's not. not that guy. If you do a movie like that and it's big, you get more or less pigeonholed. Yeah. That was what was happening to him. However, he did leave um, speed to do the Devil's Advocate. Mm -hmm. And Maybe speed was more serious, but it was action what? versus but speed's more serious, but it was also action oriented, but he wasn't he wasn't quite so you know cotton candy brained in those. He also <laughs> wanted to work with Al Pacino. Yeah. I mean who doesn't want to do that? Yeah. I'm not an actress and I'd do it. That's <laughs> fun. We should touch on the Umbrella Lady before, okay? Because the Umbrella Lady is your latest release, the latest VC Andrews release. It came out February second. I'm reading it right now, and Andrew, I haven't. I think this is one of my favorite VC novels I've read in a while. Great. I, you know, I love the premise. 
And Share the premise, Jen. What's the premise, the premise, I know, because I, I messaged you yesterday about this. Um, I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but this is all in the first chapter. A young girl's mother accidentally dies in a fire. Her father abandons her at a train station, and she is kidnapped by a really strange woman carrying an umbrella and brought back to her house and then kept there. And that's like everything that a VC Andrews book should do. Yes. It's just like you knocked it out of the park and dead parents, dead parents, kidnapping, an umbrella, a house that looks like a gingerbread house, mystery. Um, and the language is lush and it's beautiful and it's so gothically fantastic. If people are listening to this, watching this, that are huge fans of gothic fiction, please buy the umbrella lady. Please. I appreciate it. I really did enjoy that book and um all I've gotten back feedback on that has been pretty good. So there's a sequel. I was just about to ask because I'm not done yet, but already yeah. I was thinking. I want there to be more of this. <laughs> a lot more. It's called Good. Out, of the rain, out of the Rain, and then it'll be out in October. Gosh. Wow. Wow. How many books are you getting published a year? It, like, is it two? Is it three? Three, right Three. Because I was going to say, Jen and I both read, and I don't know if Trisha read it too. A book before because we were supposed to have you on earlier in the year and we read your newest release then and jen had time to read or start reading another book that's come out since then and that wasn't that long ago so that's just a crazy turnover schedule yeah it, it, it's i mean i work every day and i'm always ahead of publishers by seven eight months it takes nine months to get a book out really. and so just uh, like the baby I mean, I had the work ethic. Being a, I haven't been a teacher. Um, I just stay with it. It's still fun to me. I'm so excited by it. And I enjoy you guys. And that's really a major reason to do it. Oh. At this point in my life. Really. Well, I, I can, feel it. You know, there's no, everybody says to me, the big question, and I've had this question posed to me by billionaires, literally billionaires who are still working and they have been with them and they say to me, can you tell me why you are still working? And I say, because the work is who I am. It is who I am. And they say, you know what? I'm going to use that because they have so much money and they're still working and everybody's always asking them, why are you still working? Because that's who you are. And if it's who you are, you know, like anybody says, when are you going to retire? I say, when I fall out of my chair, I retire. And that's it. It's going to be there. I'm not going to, you can't retire your brain. Well, and you still are having these stories come out of you. So if their stories are still in there and you just said, well, I'm done now, the stories would just pile up and then your head would just hurt all the time. And that's not yeah, they're waiting. My cat's <laughs> on me right now. So um, I just want to leave you with um, that. Thanks for the umbrella lady, which is out now. Uh, I made the news with you at the bio, which will be out in February, but everybody should. Um, think about watching Ruby and the Landry series in Lifetime in March 2021, 27, 28. They're gonna, it's going to be worth it to watch it. It's the best they've done. Well, I will say I downloaded the Lifetime app just for your movies, just for the VC movies. Yeah. It's the only thing I watch on there. And I 
and I watch all of them. You're gonna like this. You're gonna I like can't this. wait. Oh wow, Andrew, you have been a pleasure. What I wanted to say, Thank you told you us so ahead much. of time that the actresses are actual twins. So there's none of the CG mumbo jumbo. It's actual twins, really, in each other's faces. It's fun to watch them. I'm excited. really enjoy that part of it. And they're from Australia, but they do a good job on the whole accent thing. Cannot wait. Thank you, Andrew. Hey, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Vox Vomitus Vixen. We'll do it again. Thank you, all of our people watching. This has been Vox Vomitus, a copywritten podcast for the Global Authors on the Air Network. I want to thank Roman Seratin, our video producer, Pam Stack, our executive producer. Tune in next week at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday, where we will be discussing Julia Fine. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, he's gone already. <laughs> <laughs>